So, we're continuing our uh, sermon series, we're at the Creed, we're looking at that fundamental tapestry, if you like, that's been weaved together over centuries by uh, very uh, clever people who've said, well, what do we think we actually believe as uh, followers of Jesus? What's important? What's not important? What's heresy? What's not heresy? Uh, And we ended up with the Creed, and today we're looking at, I believe, in the Holy Spirit. So if you have your uh, Bibles with you, um, please turn uh, to Romans 8 uh, with me. If you don't have a Bible, we have um, a stack in the back. Uh, Do go grab one. Uh, If you like what you read, take it home, keep it, have it as a gift. We want to be a church that feeds uh, through the Word of God. Do take one. If you've got it on your phone, then we're going to read Romans 8, verses 1 to 17 together. Uh, And then I will pray uh, and we will... uh, hear what God has to say. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free, free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in weakness of sinful flesh to be our sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be, um, might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires but those who live accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives within you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, the spirit you put, but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about you adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, 
in order that we may also share in his, God, in his glory. Loving God, speak to us now, we pray. Lord, not my words, but yours. Spirit of God, fill us up afresh this morning. Lord, may we have hearts to hear, eyes to see, and mouths to proclaim your gospel here in Western Superman. Amen. It's super for a reason, people. We've only been here eight months. But it's super because Weston is not a place of deprivation. That's not going to be the story that we're going to just keep pushing out and feeding to our brothers and sisters. Weston is going to be and is a destination because the Spirit of God is moving. God will build his church. St. Paul's is a forerunner. But guess what? St. Paul's has not run out of steam. We're not passing the baton on to another church. I won't name them. Because this site is set aside to be a house of prayer, to do the work of Jesus. Because God hasn't given up. Because he knows that St. Paul's and Weston is super. Because Jesus makes it so. I don't know about you, but I don't often find myself in a taxi. Uh, if you're a taxi driver, I apologize. Uh, I'm going to um, be rude to you now. Um, I find them expensive. They're very convenient. Uh, but I often find that my bike uh, or my legs uh, or calling Bethany and asking if she can come and pick me up because I need to be somewhere and I've forgotten uh, um, and she comes and saves me. But a few years ago, I was in a taxi and Charles, the taxi driver, and I were following the critical care car, or ambulance, that was in front of us because my son, Henry, was being transferred from one uh, small regional hospital to a big, um, uh, large specialist one. Henry had just sustained, uh, only at the age of three years, a significant head injury. We had sent him to a skate park without a helmet, um, so the shame was on us. Um, but that was too late by then. He was in the, uh, in the ambulance and heading off. He was now sedated and in a critical condition. As we followed the ambulance, uh, Charles asked me what I did. Now, if you've got a vicar in the back of the car, you never want to ask them what they do because you'll probably get a long-winded, complicated, weird response. Anyway, for the next 40 minutes or so, as Charles heard that I was a person of faith uh, and a person of vision, he shared his faith and his vision for me for his faith. As I listened to Charles, and if I'm honest, I didn't really want to listen to Charles. I wanted to be praying and be texting and be tweeting. People pray, my son's in the ambulance. It's scary. We don't know what's going on. Uh, there may be blood on the brain, you know, all the rest, you know, fill in the gaps as parents uh, and as people who have young children in your lives. But Charles wanted to talk. He wanted to do business with God. He thought, I've got a vicar in the back uh, and I'm not going to unlock the doors until I get my money's worth. As I listen to him, as we drive, my spirit just convicted me and I thought, I've got this guy here who obviously wants to talk. He wants to do business with God. 
but he seems to know the law more than the love. He knows the rules of his faith, but does he know the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus given to us each and every day through the work of the Holy Spirit? So I ask him, I say, Charles, can I ask you a question? He says, yes. And I say, Charles, what do you know about the role of the Holy Spirit? The car didn't crash, he didn't drive into a wall. Um, um, I threw him a bit. And as he stumbled and gave me a good, uh, you know, kind of biblically sound response, well, it's the Trinity, isn't it? Three and one, you know, eggs, all that sort of stuff, as people try and do when you talk about the Trinity. He got stuck. And I said to him, Charles, it's, there's, no, there's no, you know, kind of seniority. There's a quality in the Godhead. They all have a function. They all point us to Jesus, who is God, and they all help us to be more like God through the work of the Spirit. So I share with him that without the Holy Spirit, if you go big on Jesus and you go big on Mary and you go big on God, but you leave out the key ingredient, the Holy Spirit, we are just, are we not? stuck in the impossible task of trying to be holy on our own, but without the toolkit, without the instructions, without any of the next steps of how to be more like Jesus, because we're just left. I tell Charles, as we head to the hospital, that it's the Holy Spirit who is the source of life. It's the Holy Spirit who is the helper. It's the Holy Spirit who draws, to, who draws close to you and me each and every day is close, as close as our own very breath. Upon arrival, I ask Charles if I can pray for him. And I ask if I can pray that he will receive the Spirit afresh. He doesn't say, no, thank you very much, or I'm going to charge you double. He says, yes, please, tell me more, pray for me. So I pray, and then he says, I feel guilty now for charging you. Um, and I said, no, you've got to pay. I've got to pay my way. Um, but I'm not coming in a taxi again because they're expensive. <laughs> Friends, this morning, are you like Charles, the taxi driver? Do you find yourselves aware that there's something bigger, that there's something missing? Perhaps you've started to grasp the work of God. Perhaps you've been following him for many years and you're thinking, what's this young vicar going to tell you about the Holy Spirit that you haven't read or you haven't experienced? Perhaps you don't know the Holy Spirit and it's a new word for you today. Well, I've got three points. I want to first tell you you're not alone. It's really hard to talk about the Holy Spirit because it's not an academic exercise. It's a reality. It's a, it's a living relationship with God right now that tops us up each and every day in here. It's not a formula. The Holy Spirit had to be expressed by the early church because of the reality of what was going on in the early church. The church had to find the words to express, express what God was doing because God was on the move. His Spirit is on the move today. And we will always struggle to find the words, but that's okay, because we're not God. But God will help us. So I've got three thoughts for you. The Spirit gives us an identity. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. 
kind of in the name. The Spirit helps us to pray. Paul in our text today goes straight to the self, to our self-identity. And in the opening statement in um, Romans 8, he leapfrogs straight to the premise of what he's trying to make, of the argument he is saying to this church plant in Rome. And he uses this word, therefore. Because, friends, he wants us to clearly see that God has achieved all things in Christ by the Holy Spirit for you and for me. If Jesus isn't the Messiah, if the full stop isn't in place, then we're waiting for another Messiah, are we not? No, it's not a comma. It's definitely a full stop. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Nobody else, no other God will do. And it all begins, friends, with the work of the Holy Spirit. As Paul writes in verse 15, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, and by him, we cry, Abba, Father. We have that intimacy that closeness, that access. Hell is on the back foot now. Hell is retreating. Darkness is retreating. Depression is retreating. All those things that get us down and shut us down is retreating. God is coming forward. The theologian James Williams said this, the Spirit's job is to make us able to stand in Jesus' own place in relation to the Father. The Spirit's job is to make us able to stand in Jesus' own place in relation to the Father. A couple, uh, last week I was at the t- um, toy swap hoping to get some toys for myself. Uh, they were a bit too young for me. Um, but I was there and I met uh, somebody who used to be at St. Paul's. Uh, And I said to him, uh, I was introduced by one of our uh, brilliant staff team here, and I said, tell me about your story. And he told me how God had been a part of his life, how God had blessed him, uh, how this church had blessed him, how he had led worship on this very stage. I asked him where he was with God now, and he said, well, I'm not in church anymore. And I thought, gosh, that's a bit of a disaster, isn't it? So we talked and I shared a bit of my heart for the church and uh, the vision and he asked, where are we going with the key? And I said, oh, gosh, let's, let's be gentle with that one. But I shared my vision for the church where we put people first before projects, where we long to see the renewal of this town as we offer the best thing we can offer, the hope of Jesus. You'll hear me talk about hope a lot and it's because I think hope is one of the best words we've got. Hope for the Christian, for Paul in his letters, is resurrected hope. There is no hope without resurrection. Why? Because if Jesus didn't die, if he didn't atone for our sins, if he wasn't really the son of God, if he really wasn't in credit with God to pay our debt, then we need somebody else. 
if he didn't really come back to show us that he wasn't just a good man, but the son of man, if he didn't ascend and go back and be in the Godhead where he has been in all time, in all place, and in all spaces, then he's not in the Trinity. He's not in communion with God. There's no equality there. And if he's not coming back, then where's the hope? We are simply dancing to our own music, making ourselves feel good. But we have hope because Jesus is the full stop church. And he's coming back to wipe away every tear, to fill us up afresh when we just don't want to get out of bed. I was once a trustee of uh, YMCA um, in Southampton and we had something like 60 beds and we had strategies and plans and funding and you know it was all very complicated. But what it came down to for these, uh, these young people was we need to give them a bed but we also need to give them a reason to get out of the bed. As a church, we need to give people a place to belong We need to give them an identity. We need to tell them that they are worthy, that they are seen, that God turns his face towards them each and every day, that the words that have been thrown over them are not of God, that God wants to release them into their mission and ministry in this town, in this place, not shut them down. What are we going to do, church? How are we going to find our identity each and every day as the beloved children of God? Well, I tell you, it starts with the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit because we are empowered by the Spirit to get out of bed and to take the next step. And that's because you and I are walking, talking temples. God doesn't want to just put his tent next to you anymore. He doesn't want you to go to the holy place and have a religious hour and feel great and then go back to whatever you're facing without the grace and the love and the joy and the peace and the reconciliation of God. He wants to place his tent in here. He makes you a walking, talking temple. And that's why when you step into places, friends, you make it holy ground. The Spirit makes us holy. I wonder what words you use today to describe yourself. Smart, dumb, kind, horrible, good looking. Someone gave me a nine out of 10 this week. It wasn't my wife and um, I'm disappointed it's not 10 out of 10. But anyway, I'll bring that before the Lord. Ugly, ambitious, but what about holy? What about having the very nature of Jesus and being able to stand in that place where Jesus is in front of God and be whiter than snow? In verse 23, Paul writes that the Spirit has started a new age, but yet we wait for it to be fulfilled, don't we? I don't know about you, it's very easy to put on a Hillsong album, it's very easy to make yourself feel great. But the reality in here is there's still some shame, isn't there? There's still some pain. There's still, you know, we, we are a work in progress. 
And that's why the spirit matters. Because at your baptism, it's the day one of your lifelong faithful discipleship. It's not you saying, I've made it, I'm perfect, I could give Jesus a run for his money. She's saying, I know the man who can help me take the next step. And by praying and getting on my knees each and every day, the Holy Spirit will refresh me, will turn this church into a house of prayer, will mean that we have the lights on more days than we have them off. That means we will speak grace and mercy into whatever dark place there is because the gospel goes everywhere. Perhaps this morning you don't feel holy. There are a million different words, aren't there, to describe ourselves. But take a look at that word holy this week. There's an awesome power in the spirit because we're to live it out now as the holy people of God. We're not to wait until Jesus returns, kind of half empty on our knees. We're to run now the race that God has set before us. We are, aren't we, Eric, to enter the gates of heaven breathless, running breathless, because we've done it. And guys, that doesn't mean that you have to be a superstar. It doesn't mean you have to be, you know, the next J. John or whoever you put in that camp. But it does mean in your heart that you're giving God your best bit, not your last bit. We can be holy because the Spirit enables us to believe. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12. Friends, trying to follow Jesus each and every day isn't trying to convince yourself that you have it, but it's knowing and it's showing in the pub, in the places where God shows you and sends you, sorry, that there's something different about you because of your attitude, because the way you're living it out. Use words only if you need to. Show it. Show the grace. Show the mercy because the Spirit will help you. And friends, maybe the Spirit of God is terrifying to you. Maybe you think, I can deal with God. I can deal with this bearded figure in the sky. You know, he looks like Santa Claus or whatever image you've got. I can deal with Jesus. He was sponsored by Daz, whiter than snow, too Western in the images we've got. But the Holy Spirit, this thing that kind of whizzes around and floors people on the floor and makes them hell and, you know, turns life around, lives around and, you know, that kind of middle ground, maybe that's too scary for you. Don't be robbed by the work of the Holy Spirit because you'll be trying to get to God and you'll be trying to get to the Holy Spirit by your own strength. And guess what? You won't make it. I won't make it. None of us will make it. We need the Holy Spirit to draw close to us. This church needs the Holy Spirit each and every day. So hear it from me. The Spirit of God will not overwhelm you because he wants to work with you and through you. You won't be invaded. You won't be controlled. But there will be a fellowship, an engagement there will be you as co-heirs, as our text said, working together in the places where God sends you.
So be reminded this morning that God wants to make you holy. And thirdly, the Spirit helps us to pray. How often do you pray? I've just started watching the third series of The Crown. I'm absolutely addicted to The Crown. Uh, I probably need to bring that before the Lord as well. And uh, I'm not quite sure on the new characters. Um, I'm taking a bit of time to um, see them in the role. But anyway, the the episode I watched a couple nights ago was of um, Queen Elizabeth on the side of her bed praying. And we hear, don't we, from lots of reliable sources that the Queen prayed a lot. But she always brought it to the Lord. And it made me think, gosh, she's probably praying more than I am. Or she was praying more than I am. But all of us, do we not, feel like beginners when it comes to prayer? We all think the person next to us is the super prayer. We all think that their prayers are perfect and well articulated and biblical, perhaps. I sometimes pray and go, gosh, I don't know what I was saying there. Was I praying a blessing or a condemnation? What was going on? But when I open my mouth, I pray, come Holy Spirit, not because the Spirit isn't here, but because I'm offering permission again to myself and to the Spirit of God to be in the driving seat. In our next bit of our text, in verses 26 to 27, Paul reminds us that it's a God that we worship who knows our weakness. And the Spirit knows what we should be praying for. Paul is not condemning us here. Rather, he's doing the opposite. He's reminding us all that we all find prayer difficult because we never have all the details, do we? Do you ever do those prayers where you're you're praying and you're trying to remember the person's name as you're praying and you're hoping someone will say it in the prayer group so you can confirm it? You're also trying to remember which issue you're praying about as you're praying. But the Holy Spirit gives us that insight. But we've also got to remember, church, that when we're praying for ourselves and for this town and for our places of work, we don't have the whole picture. Only God has the whole picture. But he will download it. He will give us the bits we need for the time we need it so that we can be praying for the right next step as we look to see the renewal of this town, of this church, of our hearts each and every day. So there's hope. There's hope because in the spirit, we can stand where Jesus stands in relation to the Father. That's a huge claim to make. We get to stand in the very place that Jesus gets to stand for the whole of eternity because of what Jesus did on the cross. Let's not forget that. That is our song. That is our story. So none of us finds, uh, finds praying easy, but the best way to do it is just to talk to God like you would talk uh, to your friends. I was once um, driving down the road and I pulled over when I saw uh, a friend of mine in Bethany's, Katie, and um, I said, sorry, you're on the phone. And she said, no, I'm not on the phone, I'm praying. But by picking up the phone and making a phone call or, not, or making a, a, a fake phone call, it helps me to get in that kind of attitude It also stops people from talking to me, so I don't know why you pulled over and came and spoke to me. Do you not get the symbol? Do you not get the uh, the, the message? What is it that helps you to pray? Do it. 
And when you talk to God, be prepared that God will talk back to you. We have a talking God. In the call of the day, in Genesis 1, we used to get to walk with God each and every day. And through Jesus, and empowered by the Holy Spirit each and every day, we will walk with God. So take a walk with him. Pull it in your diary. Find a way to do it. Download the app. I find Lectio 365 really helpful, especially at five o'clock when I'm holding Rose and I'm trying to get her to sleep. Here's the final thought. In the winter of 1944, Hugo and his father were together in a concentration camp. And on the eve of Hanukkah, did I say, did I say that right? I knew I was going to struggle on that one. Uh, the Jewish festival of lights. He took a clay bowl and a wick that was immersed in, some, in their precious melted ration of margarine. And they made a makeshift candle. Hugo protested to his father and he said, we need uh, the food. We need the, the, the precious margarine. We can't afford to waste it on a candle. But his father replied that candles mean hope. And without hope, we can't survive. It's not easy keeping hope alive. It will not be easy keeping hope alive in Western Supermare. We're entering winter. Businesses are pulling out. We need to be the church that is open, that has the light of Christ visibly shown and demonstrated in all that we do. It's why we started the King's Table. And it's going to cost our time and our money and our tithes. Now is the time, is it not, church, to be the people of hope who are stepping up to the challenge not stepping out of the challenge. The church will change this town because we remain committed to it. We're going to love it. We're going to bless it. And we're going to hold it through these dark times because without Jesus, there's no hope. But with Jesus, there is all the hope that we need. Renewal is coming. I'm just going to declare it. I hate to declare that. It's a big thing to declare. But I believe it. I feel it in my bones and I see it. A couple of days ago, we had rainbows over St. Paul's. I was walking in. Did you see them? And uh, you didn't put them on, did you? No. And as I was walking in, I was feeling the weight of the ministry as your vicar. I get to see all the great bits, but also all the ugly bits. And as I was walking in, I was praying. And as I looked up, I saw a rainbow. I thought, great, the promises of God are true and faithful and they will be fulfilled. So less of us, church, more of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not giving up. The Holy Spirit is not checking out, but he's checking into you and me, into our hearts each and every day and saying, what are you going to do about it? Sisters and brothers, now is the time to stand in our identity in Christ, to be the holy people of God and to pray with the help of the Spirit of God deep within us. It won't overwhelm you. It will only make you more like Jesus each and every day.
And I believe, and we believe, do we not, that St. Paul's has a beautiful renewal coming, that we're going to play our part in new ways as we work hard to see the hope of Jesus restored in this house of prayer, in these streets, and in our country. Amen.